At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey, warm up, brother, hello. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas. For Ghost Ghost Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops, and now a part of the Beeson family, a podcast, and... Got a tremendous podcast for you, as it is the National Championship Day for this podcast. As in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on Kansas versus North Carolina as we wind up hitting some bank shots. Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN, he has joined me all throughout the way this season on this podcast. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to get his thoughts on the natty, so we're going to be chatting with him. And it's a pretty straightforward day, as it's the last day of the regular season. After today, we are going to be pivoting as this is a podcast that it is going to be going on all throughout the offseason. So have no fear. This is not a podcast that is going to be fading away by any stretch of the imagination because the transfer portal is hot and heavy. And we'll give you guys a few names of guys that wound up entering into the transfer portal. And we did wind up seeing a little bit of a coaching change as well in the world of college basketball on Sunday as well. So we'll get you guys caught up on that in the first segment. That's a lot of what you can expect on this podcast moving forward because this is the last day of the year. Once again, just like the spiel I wanted giving a couple days ago just because it's the national championship game and it's the last day of the regular season doesn't mean that it needs to be the last day for your bankroll. So do keep that in mind. There's going to be plenty of opportunities starting up once again in November. The baseball season is getting gassed up, which means that the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson is going to be starting up as well. So we've got you guys covered with a lot of great content. Have no fear there. And if you ever have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to throw those in because it's a podcast that it is continuing on after today. First way is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. So please do be mindful of that. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I know that many of you guys have been asking if I'm going to have a way too early top 25 or anything like that. And when it comes to taking a look forward in college basketball, it's sort of a process because now with the transfer portal, we've already got over a thousand names out there. Many of these guys have not decided on their schools. I would not want to give you guys a way too early top 25 and then 
then two months from now, it looks completely different. I'll be doing conference previews starting up most likely in late May, early June. For those of you guys that have followed the podcast in past years, this is typically the way that I do it. Typically, when it comes to smaller conferences like the Big West, the Big South, the America East, I'm able to do those a little bit earlier than, say, the Big Ten, the SEC. So expect that moving forward here in the offseason. But we are going to be keeping up with all this player movement. And we did wind up seeing a little bit of it on Sunday. So we're going to give you guys my picks and analysis on the national title game in the second and third segment, especially when Curtis Rogers joins in a few minutes. But let's look at some of the guys that do wind up moving around a little bit because, well, this is the last day of the regular season. So we're going to be needing to turn it forward. And Eric Stevenson, he decided that he's going to be going to West Virginia, a team that they wound up underachieving a little bit last season. And shot 98.4% in the free line. Actually led all qualified players in terms of free throw shooting percentage last year. 11.5 points, 4.5 boards, 3 assists per game on just 2 turnovers. Was actually halfway decent for a South Carolina team that really didn't have a lot of discipline. So I think that he's going to come in there and he's going to bolster a West Virginia team that is out there in what I would say was by far the best conference in all of college basketball this year in the Big 12. That's representative in the fact that we're going to be breaking down Kansas in the final segment, and they're the favorite in the game, and they might be the subject of my DK Nation pick. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, but also, North Texas, who has been one of the better mid-majors in all of college basketball, they got a good get on Sunday as well. Two-time All-America East performer, Jaden Martinez, six foot seven combo player. He decided that he's going to be going there. Spent four years at New Hampshire, and this past year in New Hampshire, 15 points, five and a half boards per game. He was someone that from three-point range shot 42% from three the last two seasons. So at six foot seven, he's going to be able to come in and do a solid job. Actually, a native of the state of Texas, so that's very good. Our good friends, IEP UI, a.k.a. Iwi Pui, one of their main contributors from last year has decided that he is leaving the program as you wound up having Aziria Say, who wound up playing in 17 games, averaged 6.5 points per contest. He's going down to Texas Permian Basin. That is a non-D1 school, so that sort of tells you the state of this program right now. I mean, it is not good, and that's putting it as politely as humanly possible. we got a couple other guys that do wind up entering into the transfer portal, like Javon Smith, who wound up seeing no playing time whatsoever at Florida A&M. He has decided that he is going to be transferring away. You had Jalen Johnson, who wound up playing at North Carolina A&T this last season. He decided that he was going to be entering in the transfer portal as well. No, not the gentleman from Louisville. Gentleman from North Carolina A&T. So we wound up seeing that. And then the Big East just continues to get better with regards to their coaching stable. Thad Mata, we all remember what he was able to do at the Ohio State University, was helping out a little bit with the Indiana program this last season as a little bit of an advisor. After Butler wound up canning LaFall Jordan, they've decided to pick him up. So we've now seen three coaching changes out there in the Big East. You wound up having Thad Mata wind up getting picked up on Sunday, which I think that that instantly is a little bit of an upgrade for Butler, Sean Miller, who you could say what you want about Sean Miller, but he had success the last time he was at Xavier. He is back into the conference, and then you also wound up seeing Shaheem Holloway, who's going to be taking over at Seton Hall. So, three very good gets. We did see a little bit late in the process as well. Taquan Woodley, someone who began his career at South Carolina, he decided that he is going to be following his coach, Frank Martin, over to UMass, a guy that averaged just two points per contest, was able to give the team right around 12 and a half minutes per game. You're going to be finding quite a bit of this. We have seen this with the Murray State and LSU connection, so that is something to take note of. Jaden Shackelford, he has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft. He is going to be entering with an agent as well. You sort of figured that he was going to be going away from Alabama, who wound up underachieving a little bit. Alabama should be locked and loaded once again this next season, but that said, Shackelford was able to give the team 16.5 points, 5.5 boards, shot 
uh, 35.5% from three, really their main constant with regards to scoring last season. So that, no question, is going to be putting Alabama behind the eight ball a little bit. Should be no surprise here that Walker Kessler has decided to enter into the NBA draft as well. A gentleman that averaged four and a half blocks per contest, one of the greatest season with regards to blocks that we've ever seen from a power five player, a guy that began his career at North Carolina, couldn't find his footing there. Wines going to Auburn, really did a good job of being able to help lift that team and give them just a whole bunch of production. So he is going to be out of the fold. And speaking of the SEC as well, not a shocker that J.D. Note, a guy that wanted scoring double figures in all but one of his games this season, he is going to be declaring for the NBA draft as well. Began his career at Jacksonville during the 2017-18 season. So guy that's been around the block, 18.5 points per contest. Arkansas has three McDonald's All-Americans coming in. So this is not one that really is going to be hurting them at all. If you take a look at a lot of these way too early top 25s, a lot of them have Arkansas either as their number one team or at minimum a top five team. And I do think that that is very much warranted. I do think that if you're able to get Jalen Williams back, which it sounds like he's going to be coming back, that should keep Arkansas on good footing, just a case in which you're seeing a little bit of turnover there. Cole Swider decided that he was going to be entering into the NBA draft on Sunday as well, and he's declaring with an agent. Six foot nine combo player began his career at Villanova this last year at Syracuse as part of their five-man rotation. 14 points, seven boards, was able to shoot 41% from three. You figured that there would be a little bit of movement with regards to Syracuse. Now the question is, does Jim Beheim return for yet another season? We've seen a lot of these coaches wind up stepping down, especially in the ACC. But with that said, it is going to be a Syracuse team that's going to be very fascinating to watch them this next season because they wound up having a very thin rotation last year and now losing one of their top players. That is going to be setting them back a little bit. It's a little bit of a to-be-determined grade as to how Syracuse is going to be doing this next season. So we did wind up seeing a little bit of movement on Sunday and when it comes down to it, we're going to have a lot of movement this offseason, but we've got one more game to play. It is a big one, and it is the national championship. So coming up next, we're going to be discussing this and everything that we're going to be getting out there in NOLA with our good friend Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN. That's up next right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Pearson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Teams with myself, Craig Eubes, and now part of the VEASAN family podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests, as this man is going to be pivoting his role in a few days, as well as this is a man that does pre- and post-game work with 710 ESPN in Seattle for the Seattle Mariners. Now, it is a case in which me and him are both going to be doing a lot of baseball, but all throughout the year, we always do a great job of being able to hold it down with regards to being able to take a look at the game of college basketball. And this man is a graduate of the Arizona Wildcats. So we all know that they've got a very storied program. Curtis has joined me all year long, taking a look at all these games, even taking a look at the transfer portal, what we were going to be seeing in the preseason from these West Coast Conference schools and always brings it as we've got Curtis Rogers on the program. You're able to follow him on Twitter at a kid from Kent and his podcast, the Seattle Sports Night and Seattle Sports Saturday podcast. You're able to find those wherever you get this podcast. And Curtis, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, always a pleasure to join you, especially on the eve of the national championship game. And like you said, we're getting closer here to baseball season. We kind of lucked out this year. I mean, the only good thing to come from the baseball lockout is that the end of the college basketball season did not overlap with the start of the baseball <laughs> season. Very rare in that instance, but 
it's allowed for both of us to kind of focus on each individually rather than go absolutely berserk. But hey, it's a good problem to have when they do overlap. But this year, we got kind of helped out in a little bit. Absolutely. We get a whole 48 hours in between. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of rest right there. And I do have a correction to make. I know that you guys over there at 710, you actually are now Seattle Sports 710, not ESPN 710. So I just wound up seeing that little bit of an update there. So congratulations to you guys on that. And Thank I you. know that you've done a great job all season long of taking a look at these teams. And now we are down to the bitter end. It is going to be North Carolina and Kansas. Kansas finds themselves anywhere between a four and four and a half point favorite. And I do feel like this is a case in which Kansas is just a better team, in my opinion. If you would have taken a look at this line just even two to three weeks ago, Kansas would have probably been more like a touchdown favorite. I'm just calling it what it is. And with Kansas, the way that they looked against Villanova in that game was rock solid. I'm North Carolina. No question. They got the job done against Duke. They pretty much sent Coach K on his retirement tour a game earlier that he would have liked to. So North Carolina, a tremendous showing on Saturday. But I just take a look at the way that Kansas is playing. I think that they are the better team, and I think that they should be able to win this game a little bit more comfortably. I'm not sure what you wind up seeing in this one, but I like Kansas. I like Kansas as well, but I mean, looking at North Carolina and the run that they have been on, really, it extends to the end of the regular season, too. They've lost one game since that inexplicable loss to Pitt in the middle of February, February 16th. They have lost just one game since then, and that was in the ACC tournament to the Virginia Tech Hokies. This North Carolina team has been rolling right now, and just seeing what they have been able to put forth over the better portion of you know a month, almost two months now, you can't discredit what the Tar Heels have done to get to this point. But like you said, just looking top to bottom, comparing the resumes of the two teams, comparing just how both of these teams have looked throughout the course of the season – I mean, Kansas doesn't have the, you know, blowout losses that North Carolina has had this year. And, I mean, it looked like North Carolina at one point was not going to be able to get over that hump. They looked like maybe a tournament team, especially after that loss to Pitt in the middle of February. But they have just been rolling ever since. They've been playing, I think, in the Final Four, you're playing against your arch rival. As we know, you can throw out the record books when you're playing in a matchup like that. You can throw out all the sabermetrics because there is an emotional lift that I think a lot of these teams get when playing in a game of that magnitude against their arch rival. And look, North Carolina had some added motivation. We're going to end Coach K's career. That's what they did. They ended his regular season career at Cameron Indoor, and they did it again in the Final Four. I mean, of course they're going to get up for a moment like that. But looking at Kansas and what they have this season, they have really just been steady as they go all season long. I don't see any reason right now to pick against Kansas, even with Armando Baycott getting the clean bill of health. Yeah, I think that is absolutely tremendous what we've seen out of North Carolina here down the stretch as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me on the podcast. And with regards to the job that Hubert Davis has done, you just mentioned it six weeks ago. This is a North Carolina team that has a two-touchdown favorite at home to the poopy Pittsburgh Panthers wound up losing for him to be able to turn this thing around, knock off Duke both in Cameron and then on a neutral court in the first ever Duke versus North Carolina NCAA tournament game. He's done one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in a long time. Now, obviously, it's come a little bit later than when you'd have the straw poll taken for 
coach of the year that winds up going to Ed Cooley. I know that there was a lot of debate as to whether it should be Ed Cooley, Tommy Lloyd, you're able to throw in there someone like a TJ Otzelberger, Kelvin Sampson, list goes on and on. I thought that there was a lot of tremendous coaching jobs that were done this season. You're able to throw in there Shaheem Holloway as well. His run came a little bit too late as well. But I say that with Hubert Davis doing everything that he's done in his first year with North Carolina, the way that he has transformed a program that very much hit the offensive glass very hard but didn't shoot a lot of threes. This year, they're a little bit more of the opposite. It's been one of the more impressive jobs that I've seen in quite a long time. Yeah, Hubert Davis, I mean, getting this North Carolina ship righted at the exact right time, pretty much a point of no return was that pit game. I would imagine Hubert in the locker room after that is like, we will never experience this again. I'm the head coach here, so help me God. And, you know, you look at just how they have responded since then, finishing out the regular season as strong as they did. Yeah, they slipped up in the ACC tournament, losing their second game there, but Boy, you know, in the NCAA tournament, they have looked very, very strong. The Marquette game just absolutely destroying them. And usually an 8-9 matchup, that is one of the more tougher-to-predict ones in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then I think once they beat Baylor, they were like, okay, the sky is the limit for this team. We can beat anybody because Baylor has been, if not the best program in the country over the last three years, maybe the second-best program in the country. Obviously, 2020, that season got cut short kind of a wash. Then they win the national championship in 2021. And this year they were number one for a good portion of the regular season and had tremendous, tremendous hopes in this year's tournament. North Carolina beats them in overtime and also goes out to a huge lead on them at one point in that game too. For them to be able to withstand that comeback by Baylor and finish them off in overtime, withstand the ejection of Brady Manick and continue on. Look, I mean, the sky was the limit for North Carolina after that moment. They play UCLA in the Sweet 16. UCLA was a team that a lot of people had pegged for a national championship run this season, too. They go and beat them. And, and I mean, after that, St. Peter's, he kind of knew that was going to North Carolina even before that game got started. Duke, you, you know, as we talked about, anything goes in North Carolina versus Duke. But I think the road ends for UNC. Despite the tremendous turnaround job that Hubert Davis has done in year one, I would imagine North Carolina fans, I mean, there was... A lot of hesitancy, I think, when Davis got the job, especially with you know North Carolina alums everywhere in coaching. I think Wes Miller was a name that a lot of Tar Heel alums were hoping would get consideration to take over for Roy Williams. But I think you can easily say that North Carolina has made the right decision in going with Hubert Davis as Roy Williams' successor. Yep, and I do think that Wes Miller is going to have bright days ahead at Cincinnati, but you take a look at it. Cincinnati wound up losing by double digits in the American Athletic Conference Tournament against Houston, and here's North Carolina in the national title game. So (laughs) early returns, Hubert Davis is right now winning that one. Once again, Cincinnati, not quite the program that UNC is, and I do think that Wes Miller is going to be able to do a solid job, but thus far, anyone that was skeptical of Hubert Davis, well, they are currently very, very silent, as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me on the podcast. And Curtis, when it comes down to it with regards to this game, I would honestly argue that a little bit of a slower, more defensive game would actually favor Kansas a little bit more. I do think that if this game is going to be won by North Carolina, they need to get this game into high 70s, low 80s, because the North Carolina defense, we've just seen it time and time again. It has not been good. I think that that's the one note that you're able to have on this North Carolina team. They do give up the three ball quite a bit, and Kansas, to the surprise of many, they've allowed 65 points or fewer 
in eight out of their last nine games. Remy Martin, a guy that you're very familiar with, with him playing at Arizona State for many years, I feel like has been one of the biggest X factors here in the NCAA tournament. And I do think that Kansas, just having a little bit more depth, having a little bit more off the bench, that is going to be able to provide a big spark for them. I think that if North Carolina has any shot of being able to get it done, they just need to go scorch earth on offense and just hope that they're able to do just enough on defense. Because if North Carolina wins, I don't see any way that it's not a shootout. Meanwhile, I could see Kansas being able to put on a little bit of a defensive clinic. Yeah, Kansas' defense has been incredible, especially in this tournament run. Like you said, the amount of points that they have allowed in this run has been pretty staggering. The only time above 70 is against Creighton, 72 points, limiting Villanova to 65. Miami was only able to get 50, and and Miami had the halftime lead in that game too. Providence, as we know, Ed Cooley, the AP Coach of the Year, gave Kansas a bit of a scare a little bit there, 66 61 off of its defense and as we know this time of year if you do not have an elite defense it is so so incredibly difficult to win a national championship and I believe as the stat goes you can go back as long as Ken Palm has been doing everything that he does I think a defense worse than top 40 in the country has never won a national championship North Carolina is above that line Kansas obviously is below that line that to me says that Kansas should walk tomorrow night towards a national championship now you got to play the game Obviously, North Carolina has one of the most talented players out there right now, and Armando Baycott, who is filling up the stat sheet. You've also been getting tremendous play out of their backcourt right now. I mean, look, the shots that Caleb Love was making in the Final Four against Duke, those are going to go down in North Carolina history. But look, Kansas, I wouldn't say they've been the best team all season long, but you have had it in the back of your mind all year long where it's like, yeah, this team could win a national championship. I don't think they've ever once left that conversation. Agbaji's going to be a high draft pick. He has been incredible all season long. He has not once taken his foot off the gas pedal. And Remy Martin, I mean, what a lift he has given this Jayhawks team coming off the bench, especially in the tournament. He's had a quiet last few games, but I would expect him to have a couple of moments on Monday night against the Tar Heels. This is a guy that just knows how to put the ball in the bucket wherever he has played. No matter the role, he is a scorer. He is somebody that is going to create his own shot. And to have that kind of guy coming off your bench is such a luxury. And a guy who has played as many games as Remy Martin has, yeah, he hasn't played in a ton of big games considering the program that he came from, but, you know, he's played in NCAA tournament games before this season. You know, there was some, I think, tougher times earlier in the season with Martin kind of adjusting to this role off the bench since he had been the focal point of so many Sun Devils teams over the years. But I think he has assimilated very well. And as we saw early on in this tournament, he was lethal, absolutely controlling games and and giving Kansas such an edge off the bench. That's why I think Kansas should walk away as national champions. I do agree with you there. It is going to be such a great game that we're going to be seeing on Monday. And Curtis, we're going to be hopefully seeing a little bit of a resurgence from both the Pac-12 for you and the Big Ten for myself next season as both of these conferences have been left out of the title race for a very long time. It has been a lot of ACC and Big 12. The two teams are going to be on full display in New Orleans on Monday. But with that said, I know that you got a lot going on. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You're going to be doing a great job doing Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game hosting all throughout the MLB season. You do a great job of taking a look at college sports all throughout the year as well. I know that you're a man that you're out there in the state of Washington, which, as we know, Gonzaga, very, very much prevalent over there. I know that you're hoping for a little bit of a resurgence from the Washington Huskies as well. It's been a little bit of a rough 
last few years there, but you do a great job covering a little bit of everything. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, we're, we're waiting on the Huskies to make a turnaround here to help <laughs> out. But look, Seattle, you had a tremendous year this season. Hopefully they continue to build. College basketball is going nuts over here in the Pacific Northwest. We're super excited. And in the Cougs, Washington State made it to the Final Four of the NIT. So something for everybody this year in the Pacific Northwest. But like Greg said, we recently changed uh, the name of the station to Seattle Sports 710. Nothing else has changed about the station, just the name of it. So if you're looking for that, SEA Sports 710 is where you can find it on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, at a kid from Kent, and also the same on Instagram. And Greg, it's been a tremendous, tremendous season talking college basketball with you. I know the season ends in New Orleans, but I know you're not going to end anything with college basketball as we're hopefully going to chatted up during the offseason at some point as we take a look at the transfer portal all the commitments just all the craziness that is college athletics you know in 2022 it's been a tremendous season i can't thank you enough for having me on curtis brought it every single time he joined this podcast and he'll be joining me throughout the offseason as well have no fear there because we're gonna have a lot of previews with regards to the pac-12 we wound up seeing quite a few coaching changes last week as well. Fat Mata, heck, even on Sunday, wound up getting hired on by Butler. I addressed that a few minutes ago. You've got a lot that is going to be going down. And as I always say on this podcast, bets that are won in February or March, bets that are won during the season, they're done through create prep work. And now we turn our attention to the 2022-2023 season. But before then, we've got one game left. Curtis, help me break down the natty. That is going to be going down on Monday. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on Coast Coast Hoops. And coming up next, it is that time of podcast. I give you picks and analysis for the big one for the national championship out there in New Orleans as we hit some bank shots. Here in lovely Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eubes and now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Curtis Rogers on. He joined me all year long, does terrific work over there with 710 ESPN in Seattle. Guy covers a little bit of everything, and you're going to be hearing him quite a bit on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. As a matter of fact, you're going to be hearing him with my American League preview. That'll be up within the next few hours, at minimum the next 48 hours, most likely sometime late Monday, early Tuesday. So we've got you covered there. Curtis does absolutely amazing work, and it is amazing that we've got the final game of the season tonight. So... Time for me to give you guys my picks and analysis on the Natty itself, the national title game, as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore D1. It is highly, highly unlikely that we wind up seeing anything change unless if we see something dramatic like Player X winds up falling off the roller coaster, breaks every bone in its body. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing too many changes here. As we got sub-21, sub-22, North Carolina, and Kansas doing battle from New Orleans. Kansas, in a lot of spots, are a four-point favorite. You're seeing a couple straight four-and-a-halves, but mostly four. Totals anywhere between 152 and 152.5. And, and I did wind up saying my total at 149. Kansas has been very good on defense. They have given up 65 points or fewer. And now eight out of their last nine games. We all talk about 
the incredible offense that this team has, and it has been great. This is a team that they do rank in the top 20 in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, and O'Shea Obaji, you wound up seeing him on Saturday. You wound up burying each out of his first six threes of the day, but with that said, it is a case in which defense has really been able to step up for this team all tournament long, and prior to that final four game against Villanova, opponents in their last 14 games had shot 27.2% from three-point range. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold our good friends North Carolina quite to that clip, but I do think that they aren't going to be able to have another solid outing in this one, and you take a look at what you're able to get out of this North Carolina team, and it's been a defense that it has been lacking quite a bit. Now, the one positive attribute that you're able to say with this North Carolina team is that if you wind up missing your first shot, you're not going to be able to get up a second one because Armando Baycott in the top five in all of college basketball with regards to rebounds per game. He has had 20-plus in each of the last two, and all reports say that he's going to be good to go in this one. He's going to play his full amount of minutes. Is he going to be 100%? I don't think so. I think he's going to be more like 85-90%. That really doesn't affect my handicap too much on this one, but it is something that you do want to be noting if you're looking to perhaps in-game this a little bit more. I do think that that could come into play a tad bit, but that said, I do think that you're going to see a full Armando Baycott out there, and when it comes down to it, they're going to need him because this is a North Carolina team that they wound up getting two bench points in their last game against Duke, and those two bench points is when Baycott was dealing with that injury from Puff Johnson, so not necessarily a deep team, even though Kansas, it's not like they are prolific with regards to their bench use. They do have a little bit more off of there because Remy Martin, who wound up being banged up for much of the season, he has come back and he has been tremendous for this team. He wound up seeing his point total go up in eight straight games prior to the Elite Eight. Has been masterful here in the NCAA tournament. And then when it comes to Baycott, is he going to be able to win the battle down low? Yes, but David McCormick coming to the forefront, absolutely massive for this Jayhawks team. A guy that's able to give you 10.5 points, 7 rebounds per contest, but in that game against Villanova, 25 points, 9 rebounds. He's been able to give the team four plus boards in all but one of the team's NCAA tournament games thus far has been able to do a solid job out there. And then Jalen Wilson has the versatility to be able to match up with Brady Manick, a guy that's able to give you 11 points, seven and a half boards, has since the middle of January been bearing about 31% of his threes. It's not like it's going to go scorch earth from three, but that's why you've got Obaji along with Christian Brown. Brown is able to shoot 39% from three, 14 points, six and a half boards, three assists. And then take a look at the flip side. Caleb Bluff has just been a human highlight reel this NCAA tournament. 16 points, three and a half assists. He and RJ Davis both give you between 3.6 and 3.7 assists per game. Leaky Black said a good job of being able to dole out the ball as well. A guy that has 21 assists to five turnovers in this NCAA tournament. He's certainly going to be able to leave his imprint on this game, but when it comes down to it, this is a North Carolina team that they are going to wind up losing the turnover battle. In a road and neutral court environment, they force a turnover on fewer than 12% of opponents' possessions. The only team that forces a turnover on a lower possession percent of possessions in a road and neutral court environment, that'd be the Citadel among your 358 D1 teams. That is a massive issue, in my opinion. You do take a look at just some of the player props in general. Right now, when it comes to the awards, Oshay Obaji, he is plus 120 to be the most outstanding player. I really don't have much of take here, although I will say Armando Baycott, even if North Carolina was up losing this game, and I do think that North Carolina is not going to be able to prevail. If he winds up having another scorched earth game down low, he does have a chance at 5-1 to one to be able to cash for you there. 
If you're taking a look at some of the player props being offered at DraftKings, Caleb Love is at 17.5 with regards to his player props. I don't really see much I really like slash dislike here. I mean, if I be leaning towards anything and I'm just going to be going strictly with the side, I'm going to be strictly going with the total, and I'm not really going to be diving into anything else. If you're looking at anything whatsoever, though, I do think that you might have a little bit of value here with Brady Manic under 16.5 points at minus 105 because I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. And then Armando Baycott, when it comes to his rebound prop, that is currently off the board as I am doing this podcast. So you might want to be checking back on that in the AM. It seems like some of these bookmakers, they are a little bit tepid with regards to this one. But with that said, I'm not really going to be diving into the player props. I wound up saying my total out of 149. I do think that the... Kansas defense going to be able to hold up at the point of attack in this one. I do think the things are going to be slowed down a tad with just the high stakes nature of this game. So I'm looking at the under. And with Kansas, I am willing to lay up to five with them. So laying the points with Kansas and the DK Nation pick is going to be me laying the points with Kansas. So it will be on the spread and I'm going to be going with this total under and that will wrap things up for the Monday edition of Coast to Coast Soups. Have no fear. Even though this is the last game of the season, I'll still be coming at you guys every single day throughout the year because the Transfer portal is hot and heavy. We're going to be seeing some coaching movement. we still got a lot that's going down with regards to college basketball. So if you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, if you've got one or two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. I mean, does not matter? Size per usual. Please send these into the timeline. Any other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. Hopefully, you guys wind up having a tremendous season. Hopefully, you guys are able to make some money on this championship Sunday, and I'll be chatting at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.